everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Relatively Sane. This is Jessica Curson, and I'm hungry. I just wanted to say that. Meanwhile, I just had my second breakfast, and I'm still hungry. That is not a joke. I'm being completely, I'm not saying it just to get a laugh. I also want to say that I have a complete goatee. Like, there's not even, it's, I, I realized from this quarantine that I grow a nice goatee. Like, it's pretty nice. I have a mustache, a beard, it's it's the whole thing. And I realized, you know what, just let it all grow out because I just want to see how much hair I can grow. I have fine hair and it's not that dark, so, but no one's getting up close anyway. I mean, I am doing Zoom shows, so I am afraid that someone's going to watch me and be listening to me and then look up and be like, oh my God, do, does she have, what? Is that a beard? Like, I, they are going to see it. I noticed that my eyebrows look a lot thin, uh, thicker, not thinner, thicker. They look very thick. Basically, I look like, um, I don't know, like an animal. That's what I'm starting to look like, an animal. And I'm eating like an animal, and I'm thinking like an animal. And I have to tell you, I think people are starting to go a little crazy. I mean, I knew this was going to happen. I don't know what that's going to mean, but they are starting to get a little crazy and everyone looks really hostile. I mean, sometimes I'll just go for a drive and I'm watching people like I'll just be at a red light and I'll see. And it's it's a tough time. It's a tough time for so many people. We all need to stay patient and understand that everyone is struggling or most people are struggling and it's not personal it took me a very long time to understand that and realize that as a comedian, when I would look at the audience and I'd see some miserable person and and take it personally. And then I realized like maybe, I don't know, maybe they their dog passed away or maybe they ate too much and they're gassy or maybe their mother wasn't around. I don't know what it is, but it's not about me. I had to realize that. And I think we all need to think about that a lot. That what other people's opinions are really have nothing to do with you. I don't even know what I'm saying. I say this every time. I'm literally just rattling off shit. And I just am trying to decide what I'm going to eat. I had rice cakes with peanut butter and a banana. And then I had two pieces of cheese and almonds. And I think now I'm going to have a flank steak and new potatoes. I'm joking. I don't even eat steak and my potatoes are not new. They're old. They're from like two weeks ago. My potatoes have grown a potato onto them. I love you. I love you guys. I'm sending you so much, so much positivity, positive vibes, Everything. I'm really, I, if I could send you all a basket of cheese and fruit, I would. And nuts and some crackers. Isn't it great to get a basket? I love getting a good basket. I mean, it sucks when you get a shitty one. Like sometimes edible arrangements are great. And sometimes it's like, what the fuck was this person thinking? Why did they just send me cantaloupe in the shape of a flower? I don't want this. Wouldn't it be great if you could send an edible arrangement and it's just like eight pieces of pizza? I, I don't know. It should be something else besides just fruit and chocolate. I think so. Maybe like sex toys. Maybe someone can send an edible arrangement of just all different kinds of sex toys. That would be cool. I'm going to do that. I'm going to send that to my Aunt Sheila. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are going to love this episode. I am sending you so much love. And thank you for spreading the word. Hashtag always be silly. Hashtag curse in person. You guys are the best. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, Relatively Sane. I am here with my very good friend, Billy Gardell. Hi, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Hi, Billy. Did I say your name wrong? No, no, you said it right. There was a split second when I just thought, I think I said his name wrong. Uh, no, you know, and I think, no, it's Billy Gardell. You did it perfectly. And um, thank you. And, you, you know, as comics, how many times have we heard our name, you know, 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Billy Guardrail, Billy Gridell, <laughs> Billy Gravel, Billy, Billy, Billy Gravel. Billy. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. Billy Germaphone. You. you got it please right. Welcome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, everyone calls me Jessica Kearson and it's I know. Kearson. I know you are, you are, you are, you are quite the respected comic. And That's it's, it's very nice sweet. To talk to and I hope you know that about yourself. Thank you. People comics really respect you no and earned and well earned and you're a great person you know we, we you. met and immediately got along when we did that cam neely thing and uh yeah i'm glad to be here today me too i love i, I, I listen thank you so much and i'm so glad that i worked so hard for so many uh -huh. years to be doing zoom shows um <laughs> Yeah, we're at the point now. I, I think comics. I think we would just do a show at a at a fucking Walgreens if there was a stage and we were behind the screen. You know, we just yeah. We need to get it out, and it's hard, man. It's hard. It's real. It's creatively, it's hard. I I I'm like yeah. I'm worried about money and my future, but I'm literally. It's the creative part is the hardest part for me. Just not doing stand-up right. it's like hard. in what way what do you mean well because it's therapy oh, for me. Yeah, so yeah. i'm so used to standing there and like if i'm miserable having a hard time and then i do a show and i feel so much better it's yeah it really it it is it's like it, it's like popping that pimple in your brain when you mm -hmm. get it, get up there and get it out and then if it works when you're getting it out well that's even better you know it, it, it's know. so funny I, I i even after 30 years i still have those nights where you come off stage and you're like God, I love this so much. Yeah. And then you have a bad show and you're like, what have I done with my life? Why did I do that? Why <laughs> I do I do this so to myself? True. You such, were... It's such a weird psycho, man. I know. And you started at a really young age. Were you like 17? We're around the same age. So were you, how old yeah. are you? Yeah, I was sev 17. I started my first open mic night was December 28th, 1987. Oh my and God. I, uh, Right. And I, uh, I, I did an open mic night at a comedy club in Orlando called Bonkers Comedy Club. Mm -hmm. Everything had a S or a Z at the end of the back <laughs> in the late 80s. It, it was either nutties or wackies <laughs> or zanies, you know, just that's what it was. Yeah. And uh, I, I got to start at a really amazing time in stand up comedy because there was just so many incredible headliners that came through that club, man. Mm -hmm. and, and not just guys that were famous, but guys that were great at it. Like, and we used to, you know, we had a, we had a pretty, uh, we had a pretty eclectic open mic night. I mean, a lot of us ended up very successful and, mm -hmm. and uh, we were very blessed. Like, and we, we had kind of a triangle down there. There was Orlando, there was uh, St. Petersburg, and then there was um, West Palm Beach. And in that clique, you had, there was Daryl Hammond, there was Jim Brewer, wow. uh, Tom Rhodes, Larry the Cable Guy, Carrot Top. Really? Uh, and, and. Yeah, wow. and we were just, you know, Tom Rhodes was like, like the guy we all wanted to be. Yeah, like he's Tom, amazing. He, I love him. He's just, he was just so cool. And he would blow into town because he was already a working comic. But Tom had an extra coolness about him because, you know, he was liter literary. He was well-read. Yes. Like, like he hit the style. Tom was the reason that, that I, I think Tom Rhodes, looking back now, is the reason Orlando wasn't filled with hacks. Because really? Tom was telling us about, you know, finding music and finding inspiration and, and reading Kerouac and, 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 and really, really chasing down a mastery of the language, which I never got. Like some comics are brilliant. They're brilliant at constructing a bit. Mm -hmm. Some guys are great on stage, which is kind of what I fall into. I'm, I'm a really good performer. My yeah. words aren't as good as my performance. Me I just too. never have them. But I'm okay yeah. with that. That's who I am, mm -hmm. you know? But the, the pursuit of that made me better. And he really hipped us to so many. Just, just and, and the other thing was, man, he, he would always say, too, that, you know, we got a chip on our shoulder because we're, we're, we're starting in Orlando, Florida. So we'd yeah. come up to New York to do a show. And, and they go, where are you from? And he go, well, I started in Orlando. And they go, oh. Because all that had come, all that had come out of Orlando was like jugglers and bad magicians. And yeah. Stuff. We, we, we kind of took it upon ourselves to try to get really good or as good as we could be at it so that we could kind of represent our little city. So you start, that's awesome. So you started at 17 and then you, did you go away to college or did you just mm -hmm. do, you did? Where'd you go? No, no, I did not. Oh, I, you didn't. I never, 
I, no, I didn't. I didn't go to college. No, I, I knew by 10th grade, there was just no way I was going to college. I, I was failing everything. I think I graduated. I failed my senior year in high school. And the only reason I went back was because my Irish grandmother just put the guilt on me. Like, I sure would like to see someone walk the stage before I die. <laughs> like, ah, you're going to sentence me to another year of this shit? Because, ah, okay. Ugh. So I did it. And I went back and I was able to, to graduate. But I think I graduated with a one seven. <laughs> That's what I got my first year of college. I, I was a horrible student. Horrible. Yeah, I just I just I just knew too at that time there wasn't there wasn't any way to learn this other than to get around it. And I wanted to do it. I wanted to be a stand-up from the time I, I was sneaking my dad's records, you know, Richard Pryor records and George mm -hmm. Carlin records and Bob Newhart records. And then when I saw Gleason, I, I was a little fat kid. And I, you know, and I saw yeah. Gleason and I said, you can be cool and fat. I'm in. <laughs> this, this is my deal, man. This is my deal. So I knew right away I needed to do this. Mm -hmm. And, and I love comics. I, I really, I root for comics. I, I just think they're, I, I certainly respect even more the guys that'll walk out on the edge because they leave the outfield mm -hmm. open for the rest of us to play in. They kind of watch the wall for us. Mm -hmm. And I admire that. Um, I early on, I, I was really the edgy guy, you know, and I was really, really? Uh, I was trying to be, I think I was trying to be angry because I thought that those were the coolest guys that I liked, you know, mm -hmm. but then I, I realized I had to find out who I am and I, I'm, you know, I'm John Candy. I'm, I'm Jackie Gleason. I'm, I'm a teddy bear, man. You know yeah, what I mean? And once I embraced, once I embraced that, I found my version of sarcasm and what I liked. And, and so I knew right away that I was going to have to get around it. I didn't know how to get around the comedy scene. So, and there was, I knew I wasn't going to college. So I just figured, cause I'm like, I got a 1.7, mm -hmm. basically white trash, you know, growing <laughs> up, no money. And yeah. so there's just no opportunity. Nobody's handing us nothing. And, and that's great. That was a great thing, but I knew what I wanted to do, which I, I, you know, now that I'm 50, you look back and you realize, wow, knowing what you wanted to do early was a gift because oh, there's a lot of yeah. people go through many years never figure it out they never mm. figure it out so i knew and my big solution was when i was 17 i went to these open mic nights but then i there was two two sicilians and a greek that ran this club the san filippo brothers and george maltezos and they were just they were wonderful it was a great education because they hired me at the club I think for 150 bucks under the table cash every week. And that just meant that I did everything. That's a I lot the at toilet. the time. Yeah. I, I thought I'd hit the lottery. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I was like, what? And I would clean the club. I would uh, clean the toilets. I'd, I'd later that night I'd, I'd be hosting, I'd be seating people. I'd be answering <laughs> the phone so book amazing. and office parties. And that's just, I just knew if I got around, I didn't know how to go about it, but I knew if I got around it, I was going to get an education. Mm -hmm. And one of the great things back then was, you know, our open mic night, we really, we like the guys showed up to watch other headliners, like guys showed up to watch other headliners so that you could learn how to do this. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, and it was fun. It was like, like one of us would get the MC for the weekend. You know, you'd, you'd MC Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And, and, but, but the, if you weren't emceeing, like you were down there in the club, at least one of those nights, just sitting in the back yeah, watching, watching like, okay, what's, what's this guy going to do? Or what's this girl going to do? Or how, mm -hmm. how are they doing their thing? And to me, that was just, I, the, that was the most joy I think stand up brought me was that beginning of how do you get to, how mm -hmm. can you do this and make a living? How can, how can you do this and not be in a cubicle? How can you do this and, and make rent? You know yeah, what I mean? I just I thought totally if I could do those it. things, I'm, I'd be good, you know? Yeah. Were there any women when you were starting? Like, were, I know there probably were some, but was it? Yeah. That's a yeah, long I, time ago, so I'm curious. Yeah. We had a couple uh, local women that were very funny. There was, mm -hmm. a, there was a young lady named Denise DeWitt who was funny, and there was a giant woman. She, was, she must have been 6'5". I mean, just wow. I, unbelievable. I 6'4". I don't know. Maybe I was 17, so she might have been 12 feet tall to me back then. <laughs> But, she was but, probably but five her four. Name was I'm joking. Her name was Alexandra, and she yeah. was funny. And yeah, yeah, we had we had some girls that were hanging around that were funny and doing the gig. And and back then, um, the the big female comics were Rita Rudner, yeah, uh, Elaine Boozler, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Margaret Smith, yep. was uh, big. And and so I got to see all those people come through a club with 
I, I, I don't think we sat more than 150 people in that club. And then, you know, but the comics that came through, like Bill Hicks was in that, in, in that small club. Sam wow. Kinison came through there. And, and then some of the great New York I comics who Kinison. I still love. I loved um, him. Uh, ben Creed and, mm -hmm. and Rich Voss and, and Kenny Rogerson out of Boston. And you just watch these killers come in week in and week out. And it just made you, it really, it made you think two things. One, I'm never going to be able to write that good. Two, God damn it, I want to write that good. Yeah. So it kind of had a nice, it propelled us. You it know inspires what I mean? it you to want to do more and get better. That's how I feel yeah. when I watch Without people. question. Without question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Has it always been like therapy for you? Like, were you kind of um, as a child or as a teenager depressed or anxious? Like, was it? Did you feel better when you got on stage? <laughs> no, Jessica. I have this body because I'm completely <laughs> well adjusted. No, I. <laughs> I was a train wreck, man. And I'll in tell what you way? What's, tell I'll us. Tell That's what we want to hear. No. Oh, so many ways. I mean, well, you know, look. Um, Life was good till about nine. I had nine yeah. good years. That first nine was unbelievable. I was, mm -hmm. you know, growing up in Pittsburgh, 10 years old, you know, both my teams are in the championship. Everything's good. Then divorce hits my family. Mm -hmm. And then my mom remarries a guy that was just, you know, j just a goodwill hunting stepfather. I mean, couldn't really? have been more physically abusive or, you know, just a monster. Mm -hmm. And and then she remarried again, and uh, that third guy didn't have a chance because there was no way he was going to build a trust with these three kids that had had their trust betrayed a million times by the previous guy. So mm -hmm. there became all this turmoil, and I and I, you know, I was, I was a chubby kid. I got crooked teeth. I'm wearing glasses, and I just knew that there had to be something other than fear and crying. There had to be something other to life than fear and crying. Mm -hmm. And what I found was uh, I found once humor seeped into my life that, oh, wait a minute. I can, I can kind of deflect from my shortcomings and I can make other people laugh and then I fit in. Now I can fit in. And I think that's all I wanted was to just fucking fit in, you know? And then, <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, she, my mom moved us to Florida cause that's where this, this other husband was going to start a big construction company and there's money to be made in Florida. We were bankrupt in like four fucking months, but look, it is what it is. You know, my wife, and I know people hate that phrase, but that's the truth. It is what um, it is. I, we, I say it every day. That is, that is, what am very, I going to do? You yeah, know? It is what it is. And, and like, we, yeah. Yeah. But it took me a long time. Uh, it took me many, many years to get comfortable with, the thing that changed for me in stand-up where I found my voice was when I stopped trying to be cool and look cool mm -hmm. and just started being honest because something yeah. happened. I found my voice and I found out that I, you know, especially nowadays and, and, you know, I, you know, I, I'm sober for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm very lame. And you know what, Jessica, I really like it. I like <laughs> I how lame I am. Yeah. <laughs> just being like, you know, my whole youth, well, well, my whole youth I spent looking for noise, and now I'm like, well, what's the noise? Get quiet down, everybody. What, what? Just calm. Every all we need is calm. And so, but that changed for me. And then I got, once I was able to be honest about my, you know, what I was awkward about, or what I liked, or what I didn't like, or what I believed in, or what I didn't believe in, without pushing it on anybody and mm -hmm. just presenting it in a funny way, that's when I kind of found out where my voice was and where my humor lied. And, and I, I really was, it was a relief. It was a relief to not have to be spectacular. I just had to get good at what I do. How long did it take being a stand-up to get, because I, before I ask you that, I, I'm, I agree with you 100%, and I don't laugh at anyone who's not real and genuine on stage, because I can tell when they're not, <laughs> even if they have funny bits, I still will just sit yeah. there and stare at them, because right. I'm just, I really laugh at the honest, vulnerable stuff. Like that's because yeah. it's the truth. I th How long do you well, think it, it took it, you to get to there? To it took, it, I used to hear comics say when they came through, they would say it takes 10 years to figure out your voice. Mm -hmm. And in 15, you really know how to write for it. I think it probably took me 12 years to get my voice. Mm -hmm. And then I probably about a couple years later, I started to get it. And, and 
and I started writing about who I am and what I am. And there is a connection between the audience when they hear that honesty. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm sitting up there with a handkerchief trying to cure all my wounds. I'm just saying when I tell the truth about something, mm-hmm. I think they know that. And, and like I do a lot of stuff about being married. I've been married for 20 years. Wow. So I see other, I see other couples in the audience and they, whenever they elbow each other or, yeah. or they look at you, they are you. Yeah. And then I know that I've, I've struck that chord. I've struck that chord and I know that I'm doing my job. Yeah. I For love me, that. That's what I do. Because it's so relatable. Where did you meet your wife? I met my wife uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, my manager had a club there for many years, Chris Petta, uh, called The Punchline. In oh, okay. And in the 80s and 90s, it was like the place. It was back in the day, like if you got that club on your resume, remember when you had to have resumes and a headshot? <laughs> yeah, oh, God. If you got, if if you got your your resume, if you had the punchline on your resume, that meant you could feature everywhere else in the southeast. Mm-hmm. So that was always the club to get. But I met her there. I I saw her in a bank, and then I um, saw her later that night at my show. Really? She had, she's just going randomly going with her sister to the show, and then I went to a jazz club, which was right around the corner from the place, and they mm-hmm. were in there. And, uh, and then I do this on stage, but this really happened to me. Those are the best ones that you just have to, repeat. Yeah. you don't even have to write them down. But mm-hmm. I, I saw her in there and I said, um, I asked the bartender what she was drinking and I got one. I took her to her table and I said, hi, I'm Billy. Drink this till I'm cute. And she said, <laughs> wait, no, it's better. Her comeback was better though. She looked at me, she goes, I'm going to need another one. <laughs> I was done for it. I was done for it. That was it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who, who, what's the joke for the two comics are walking down the street, haven't seen each other since open mic night, and uh-huh. the one comic goes, how's it going? And the other guy goes, oh man, it's fantastic. I, you know, I got a, I got a special coming up. I think I got a bit part in a movie, uh, you know, and the career's just really catching fire. How about with you, man? The guy goes, well, nah, I ain't got nothing going on, man. I got a couple one-nighters, uh, Saturday and Sunday not really looking forward to it and the other guy goes who books that (laughs) we're so desperate (laughs) especially now oh my god i would do anything for a zoom show (laughs) right right yeah i mean we all would i think even people at your level like who have are on TV and have that kind of exposure still would want to do things, not even because of the money, like I said, but just to be a part of it and just do your to art. Do the deal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm, you know, it's funny. Um, this quarantine's made me miss stand up. I was mm-hmm. starting to burn out a little bit. Yeah. I starting to, and I, and I think it's just because I, like I said, I've, I've gotten to the point where I've, I, I, I don't know if it's lazy or or calmer or whatever, but that fire was kind of going out for stand-up. And I, and I respect stand-up more than anything else because it's the live wire. You're out there, and I know that sounds cheesy, but it's true. It is. It. It's you and You're them. Alone. And there's no walls. Yeah. There's no retakes. There's no cut. Does anybody want a piece of avocado while we move the lights? There's none of that shit. It's live or die. Yeah. Since. But I was starting to miss, I was starting to burn out on it, and I gotta say, in quarantine, I've been finding myself writing my notebook again, and wow. I think I have an idea for a new special, and I have a through line. I always start with a through line for my hour, and I, and I think I've figured that out, and so I've started nibbling on it again, and it's 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 brought some excitement back to it. You know? That's interesting to me, a through line. Like literally, you just said that, and I was like, oh my god, that's such a good idea. When you yeah, say I a through line, I, like I didn't you... used to do that. Yeah. But, but then when I started kind of finding something that I really wanted to say and started building around that, it mm-hmm. kind of formed the the hour a little better. And I'm a slow writer. My God, it takes me two and a half, three years to write an hour. Yeah. It takes me that long. I get I'm it. Just I don't slow. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I don't like come out. I think you're probably, I could be wrong, but I like, I want my jokes to kill. I don't want them to be like, I want people I want, to be I want screaming. You to whip your head back and, yeah. Yes. I want you to whip your head back and I want your neck to hurt. Right. That's what I want. The, I, I want, want you to be hitting. To death. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. yeah. I want you to beat the people yeah. next to you when you hear my material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why it takes me a longer time too, because I don't just 
put out, eh, like it, I, I some has cats to, can do it though. Some cats are prolific. I'm just not prolific. I mean, I, I, I was never a guy that sat down. Like that's another great gift Tom Rhodes gave me early on. And I've been doing it again is having a notebook by the side of your hand every minute of the day. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how much funny shit I've dropped on a floor of a restaurant and mm -hmm. never picked up when I left, you know, or, or, or was said something while I was traveling and didn't take that minute to write it down. And then you try later and you're like, yeah, that's gone. That train left the station. So yeah. I, I try to keep my notebook with me and just try to write those little thoughts. And I've always been a, like, take that thought up on stage and see what happens with it me too. and record it. Mm -hmm. And then if there's a couple lines that work, keep those, kill the ones that didn't mm -hmm. try to tighten it up and then add to it. That's always been my, that's process. exactly my process. Yeah. And I yeah. think everyone's either like us or they sit and, at a computer and write every single word and pull like it's meticulous. I don't know how those guys do that. I'm, I'm impressed. Those guys are great construction guys and I've, I'm not a great construction guy. And I, 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 I did a um, special about 10 years ago that I, I really was proud of my halftime special. And um, it was a long time ago, but in that process of that, I had a buddy of mine, Dan French, kind of helped me a little bit. And, uh, and he would write these long bits, and then I would take two lines from the whole part. Like, he'd written two pages, and I'd take two lines. It's like, dude, you just, you ripped the bones out of the meat. I go, I'm not interested in anything else. So it's, it's like you were saying, I just want the good bite. I me don't, too. I don't need all the other stuff around it. But I'm learning to try to nuance it a little bit. I'm trying to try something a little different this time. So we'll see. I don't know. Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members for supporting the podcast. All right, hold up. Could you take a little off, off the peas? You're hitting them too hard. The Not action. Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members for supporting the podcast. Hold on. Now you're whispering Patreon. Is there a reason oh. you're whispering? Well, you said to take the Somewhere like, in the middle. Okay, okay. You ready? Action. Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members. Now you got to pause. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members, is that okay? <laughs> Patreon. It was perfect. Why'd you stop? Oh, okay. Patreon members. Cut. Let's go back to the beginning. Thank you. And so action. Thank you so much to all my Patreon members for supporting the podcast. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast, ad-free episodes, and access to monthly live streams where we talk more about... All right, let's take it back to the beginning. That was perfect. Do it exactly like that. I just like did that. it well, though, Except but why are you starting over? Thank you so much to all of my patron... Cut. Why are you screaming? Because I'm just trying to get through this. Action. Thank you so much to all of Action. my... Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast. Perfect. Keep going. There's so many Ps. Keep going. Keep going. Ad-free episodes. You could cut this out, right? For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast, ad-free episodes, and access to monthly live streams where we talk more about being relatively sane. Hold up. Did we agree on monthly live streams? Yes. You told me I should do them because it'll get more members. I don't know how to do a monthly live stream. Don't you just talk in your phone? Uh, we'll figure it out. Come on. Let's get through this. We have to go. We should okay. speed this up. All right. Thank you so much to all my Patreon members for supporting this podcast. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast, ad-free episodes, and access to monthly live streams. We don't know what that is, but whatever, where we talk about being relatively sane. If you want to join our fantastic community that is so corny, go to patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. That's patriot.com slash Jessica Curson. That's patreon. I think you said patriot.com. Go to petroleum. I mean, patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. That's patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. Patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. Thanks again. And cut. That's a wrap. Ugh. So, and yeah, and you are on a show again. Like, so you've been, this is. You've been, so stupid. What has happened to my life? It, it's no, it's great. Ridiculous. What are you kidding me? It. It, listen, man, it is, um, I, I'm a believer in this. I'm a believer in the harder you work, mm -hmm. the more your window will stay open if you are presented an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Opportunity in itself, boy, it's, it's, there's just so much luck involved. And I don't care what anybody else says. That's been my experience. If you, you have to stand in the right place, have the right guy see you. It has mm -hmm. to be the right project. It has to be backed. It has to be the right for, for to be, to get a sitcom to be successful. 
a million things. I agree have to with you. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's so random. You can't, like, if, if you knew how to do it, everybody would do it. Mm -hmm. But the, it's so fucking random. And then the idea that I'm getting a second one that didn't crash and burn three episodes into the second try, I'm so grateful for that. I, I'm, I'm really blown away by that. I'm, I'm truly blown away. Because usually, if you're on a successful sitcom, the next one you do, they're like, eh, that sucked. And it goes yeah. away. Yeah, that's so the whole I've been business. Very, yeah. Very, 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 very lucky. I, I, my, my wife actually always says, she goes, she, you know, somebody will come up and go, your husband's very funny. My wife will go, he has a horseshoe in his ass. That's what my <laughs> husband has. So. What, does she, what does she do? <laughs> what does your wife do? My wife uh, is such a smart lady. She, um, she was a banker when she was mm. very young. Um, and um, she worked her way up pretty quick and then got kind of sick of that because that's kind of an old boys network. Yeah. And she was in Georgia and being a smart girl in Georgia is tough. And um, and then she just decided she was going to take off and go travel the world. So she um, started working for Delta for oh. a little while because she wanted to free travel everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then we met shortly after that. And I told her I, I was so in love with her when I met her that I, I threw this big fit. You know, I said, you can't long distance relationships don't work. You have to move out here immediately or this isn't going to happen. And then she moved out here and I said, okay. And then I went on the fucking road for eight weeks. So oh, she God. Wasn't happy about <laughs> so, you have to stay here, but I have to get to go wherever I want. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So it took a while to make up for that, but um, she's also a financial whiz, man. And because of her, we have so much, you know, mm -hmm. she was so smart. I, 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 I think I had something after Mike and Molly because one, I was sober mm -hmm. and two, she was handling the money. Like yeah. that was the smartest thing I ever did. Like because of her, my kid's school, there's money put aside for that. The house is almost paid for. We have money we can't mm -hmm. touch in retirement till we're 59. But that's all her. Like, I would have went through Mike and Molly and, like, I would have had a dolphin and a hot air balloon and been broke. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened. I don't know. It was fucking great. And then, can, yeah. do you have a saltwater pool? He yeah. looks a little, you know. We're so. going to eat the dolphin so, so, after yeah, we I, take I, care yeah. of it. We're going to fucking eat it. <laughs> I'm going to make the dolphin drink. <laughs> it's so true. It hurts. Oh, Christ. So without her, yeah, I'm a fucking, I'm in a ditch somewhere, man. I'm just in a ditch. <laughs> I get she it. she gave me a son. Oh, I know. And my, so my, he... my life changed. My life, my life, I suddenly knew what was important. I suddenly knew why I was here. You know? So your son is, how old is he, 17? 16. He'll be 17 at the end of this month. And uh, I got to give him a lot of credit, man. He's doing so good. He, you know, he had a couple bad days. Being a teenager right now is oh, fucking brutal. It's you know? horrible. I have a 13-year-old. You know, the, world, the, world, the, the, world, the world is screaming at each other. There's so much hatred. Then these kids, their schools are getting shot up. Now they're living through a pandemic. So I don't buy into the, these fucking young kids know. don't know what. Uh, hey, man. Hey. You know, I was I, I didn't have to go through any of that. I mean, we were broke and things got dangerous once in a while. But this is a weird world for them to function in. And there's no escape for them. They're always electronically bombarded. Mm -hmm. They have to be to keep up with their their peers. So it's mm -hmm. it's tough. But I got to tell you, man, he's been incredibly accepting of what's going on and uh, he's been mature about it. And, and like I said, he freaks me out. I have to constantly say to him, hey, man, I realize you're not me. Because I'm always like, like, did you do your homework? Did you do? This kid has had nothing but A's and B's since yeah. sixth grade. He's never in any fucking trouble, mm -hmm. and yet I'm still checking it. Like, hey, 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 you're cutting corners, you're skipping. Ah, <laughs> huh? you're taking a shortcut. And I'm talking to myself, not him. And right. I have to realize you're you're not me, man. You're a better kid than I was. Apparently, it skips a generation. Your kid's probably gonna be a monster. You, you're so I've been trying to give him connecting online, and I think in a week or two, we're gonna let them a little in the yard if they wear masks and socially distance and be careful. And it's just, I don't, I don't know what's next, but I gotta say, he's been weathering storm, uh, probably way better than I would have at 16. I would have already been sneaking out, not listening. Coming yeah, home, you know, too. sweating with 103 fever, going, I don't know, maybe it's allergies. I don't know, maybe it's allergies. <laughs> I wouldn't have been paying. It's just that I was an idiot, you know. You live in LA, right? 
I do. Yeah, I do. I live. I I love Los Angeles. Yeah, I, really I do Angeles. too. I love it there. I would. I would wish. I like I could. the weather. I, I, look, there's a lot of selfish assholes. You know, LA does have its thing. I I find that the transplants that come out here, but don't forget where they're from, yeah. are the most enjoyable people to to be around. And the natives are great. It's it's the people that come here and like reinvent this person that they are. That's who you got to kind of steer clear from. You know. What That's I mean? so true. But my 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 favorite city is where you live. New York's breaking my heart right now. I know. I'm it's so for them. I'm praying for the scientists every night. That is the greatest city ever, ever. I, as a performer, there's no better place, man. There's and New York kicked my ass. Mm -hmm. I was up there for like two years, from '92 to '94. I was mostly a road comic. I was always driving, and I had like an Oldsmobile and a pork pie hat and a bag of weed, and I was just wandering <laughs> the country. Everything mm -hmm. was fine for me. But I tried to be in New York for a couple of years, man, and I admire any comic that could keep it going in New York City because that city whipped my ass. And it was good because it was at a time where I needed it to find out who I was. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. It sent me packing the Florida penniless. But there were some experiences that I had in New York that I, I would never trade. It, it made me a better comic. It made me a, a smarter comic. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the best experience? I don't mean show. I know there's probably so many, but what what would you say is the best experience you've had or one of the best in the business? Uh, just being in the business, I'll tell you one of the coolest nights I ever had. Mm -hmm. um, um, on Mike and Molly, uh, Jimmy Burroughs was our director, and he's a legendary director yeah. of Cheers and Taxi and Friends, and you know he did the pilots for Big Bang Theory, Two and a Half Men. I mean, Wings. I mean, he's just—it's like catching working for that guy's like catching a unicorn. He's the most. <laughs> here's the thing I love about him, too. He's the kindest soul mm -hmm. I have ever met, and yet here's a guy who is the top of the top. So to me, not only was he a great teacher, but he was a great, a great example of you can really have it all and not be a douchebag. Mm -hmm. And that was powerful to see. And, and we had him for two years and we got to be good friends. And I think he liked me because everybody else on Mike and Molly, like Melissa had gone to college and groundlings trainings in Illinois and then mm -hmm. out here in Los Angeles with the ground. Katie Mixon was, you know, she graduated Carnegie Mellon and Reno Wilson, my partner, he went to the, the, the fame school in New York. Wow. And Niambi was like a Shakespearean trained actor. And then here comes this, you know, fat weirdo who's coming out of fucking comedy club kitchen. I'm like, hey, don't. I want to be in show business. <laughs> and he really took to me and he was so kind with me. He gave me so many cool things. But one night, man, he knew I was a big Bruce Springsteen fan. One night, uh, one afternoon, he has this young kid shadowing him on the set who's may be interested in directing or whatever. He's just shadowing his name's Sam. And so uh, I start calling him Mayday Malone, which is a reference to Sam Malone Cheers, right? Mm -hmm. And the kid didn't quite know who that was, and we explained it. Yeah. And we just we had fun with this kid all day long. So we're sitting at the diner, and, and Jimmy goes, tell Billy what your dad does. And he goes, well, my dad's in music. I go, oh, really, man? Is there anything I might have heard? And he goes, yeah, um, his name's Bruce Springsteen. Oh, and I, yeah. I, I, was like, I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, that's my dad, man. I was like, wow, man, how cool was that? So that night we're taping, and right before the taping, Burroughs walks up to me and he goes, hey, I want you to meet Sam's dad. And he turns, and Bruce Springsteen's standing Right, to, Jessica. I yeah. I wish I could say. And then me and Bruce talked about <laughs> the way America has devolved. <laughs> I, I looked like a child who had had hot water thrown on him. I didn't. I, <laughs> like, I didn't know. I know it's what the worst. To do. You're like, and he was hi, so Bruce. Yeah, I had nothing. It was so uncool. Yeah. But um, it, he was very kind. And then that weekend, Jimmy Burroughs invited me and my wife up to his house. And when we walked in, Bruce and Patty were sitting there and we got to have dinner and, and my brought my son and we got to, we got to hang with them all night. I got to talk with him as a father and I got to, I, I got to just, I got to just be normal with him. And at the end of the night, I thanked him. I said, man, I go, thank you. Thank you so much for not being a douchebag. I go, it would have killed me. I go, I would yeah, have had yeah. to thrown so many of your records away. I go, it would have ruined soundtracks of my life. Thank you for having been so 
and they were really cool. And I, that's a moment. I'll, I'll share a moment with you. This is what killed me. When me and my wife were, were a young couple, we used to put on Springsteen, usually uh, the, the uh, Tunnel of Love album. Mm-hmm. And, and we would clean the apartment, our little two-bedroom apartment out here, and that would be it. And there was always a song that, um, on, uh, there that I would stop and, uh, and I would just grab my wife and we would dance. Oh, I love dance. that. And so, so here's what happens. So I'm gonna throw my up. wife is talking to Bruce at one point. Okay, and I don't know this conversation is going on. And apparently she tells him that story. <gasps> so now, later in the evening, we go into the living room in Burroughs' house, and there's a piano there. And Jimmy pushes Bruce to the piano. He goes, play something, honey, play something. And so he sits down, and his wife sits down next to him. And then he looks at my wife, and he goes, oh, I know. And he played our song. Oh, my. This and is... he and my wife stood there like idiot. Like, we, I swear to Jessica, we both just started. <laughs> we're both falling, man. And we couldn't even talk on the way home. I'm like, how do you, how did that just happen to a couple of kids like that? Like, how did that? So that was, that was probably one of my favorite since my career started. That's, un, I mean, that's a huge story. That is insane. Hey, you were, you're like, I mean, you can't believe something like that would happen to you. You know, and, and we were yeah. just in awe. We drove home silent. We didn't know what else to say to that. You know, it was crazy. It was very cool. That was one of my favorite. And what do you think was the most disappointing thing that you've gone through, like, in the business? I don't mean, like, a show experience, but anything, something you really wanted that was um, didn't work out? Uh, yeah. I had a I had year uh, in 2003 where I was reoccurring on a show called Yes, Dear. And yeah. Greg Garcia, who's the producer of that, he, he put me on My Name is Earl, and he's another one in this business. I've been very blessed to to work with very good and kind people my whole career. I, I just have an angel on my shoulder. I don't mm-hmm. know why that's – God's just looking out for me. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I got this gig, and they allowed me to be a reoccurring character, but I did this 13-episode uh, show called Lucky on uh, FX. And it was about two years before the World Series of Poker. If we had – come in a little bit earlier mm-hmm. i think we would have had a big train ride but we missed we were a little early mm-hmm. but it was me craig robinson ever Carradine, and um and uh craig robinson mm-hmm. and uh me and craig were like this was our first thing together we our first real like series it was gonna go and um we did 13 of them and the head of that network that was they had just done the shield and we were mm-hmm. coming right behind the shield and um at the end of that that run, we get nominated for a Best New Comedy Emmy. And wow. A week, a week later, I get an offer from uh, David E. Kelly because I'd done a guest starring thing on The Practice. And he says, I'm doing this new thing called The Brotherhood of Poland, New Hampshire. Now, that's a CBS show. It's a big hour-long thing. Mm-hmm. So I go to the, 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 the head of FX and I say, hey, um, can I take this thing and, and then do our thing because the schedule will work? And he goes, no, 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 man. I, I need you to be just, I need you to be, uh, I need you to be focused on our show. I'll take care of you next year. Please just, I can't have that right um, now. We're just going to keep you exclusive. I was like, okay. Then I got offered something else on Comedy Central. I think, uh, uh, it was, it was either the man show or something like that where I was in the mix for a minute. They wouldn't let me leave. So, which I would have liked because <clears throat> that would have just been a fun thing to do. But mm-hmm. um, I got, I had to say no to both of them because FX wouldn't let me out of any of that. Then the head of that network took the job at NBC and he left our network. So now I've said no to three jobs and he's gone and the new guy comes in and he kills our uh, so that one year that one yeah. year i lost the the series that was supposed to take off through series you know and then i'm you know back in st louis to on like we do isn't that <laughs> incredible that was, could, that was that yeah was a hard one that was a hard one yeah but you keep grinding i mean you can't stop like my my buddy used to always say it's the biggest casino in the world you just got to stay at the table and so you're going to get oh, beat up and then great, you're going to win, yeah. you know, so just stay at the table, you know? So, so it was hard. Every, I, I quit every April. If there was no pilot, it was tax time. I was like, no, nah, I'm quitting. This is it. This is the last <laughs> There's year. no pilot and it's tax time. I totally get what you're talking <laughs> no about. No pilot and it's tax time. I'm done. Get this. I'm going back. I'm going to get on the radio. I've had enough. So, yeah. but luckily I stayed just long enough, you know? 
I get it. I mean, so, well, I, you know, a lot of it is your positive attitude and the work that you do on yourself, because um, I know when I'm doing more work on myself, things are... What a chore. I know. It's... What do you do, like, on a daily... Because before we go, I want... Because I know that you do a lot of work on yourself and you do service with other people and help people out. And what do you... Like, each day, what is your way of dealing with what's going on in the world and anxiety and depression? Like, what... Are there things you do? Do you meditate? Do you... What, like, what are your things? I do, a little bit. I, I've i never been able to meditate for longer than about three minutes because then the, the chatter just starts. It's, it always yeah. sounds like an orchestra tuning up. <laughs> I, I have trouble getting that thing quiet. But what I've learned, man, is um, if I'm thinking of on a service plane, like you talked about it, then I don't have time to think about me. And I have to fill some of my day with that because my mind runs and it's always a bad ending, no matter what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, the other thing I try to do is I I always in the morning, I I try to pump the brakes, like just be here. Just, just try to be here today because if I get in the time machine, I'm going to be terrified about the future or I'm going to lament the past. What did I miss? What didn't I do? What mm-hmm. could I have done differently? You can't fix that. That film's through the camera. Tomorrow isn't written yet. What I do have is in the next 12 to 15 hours in front of me. And when I'm doing that, I live a pretty calm life. When I get away from that, that's when anxiety ramps up and maybe impatience or anger. I find myself arguing with people and I shouldn't. And, mm-hmm. and I realize that I just, I can't afford that. I just can't afford that. So so my thing every day is to try to, to get present. You know, uh, another thing my buddy always says is stay where your feet are. Man. Mm-hmm. Stay where your feet are. So if I can get there, then I got a chance to just go through today. And then I can start having a list of things to be grateful for. I'm able to help my family. I'm able to help my extended family because I've had some success. I'm indoors. There's food in the fridge. The lights are on. Mm-hmm. My family's healthy. Nobody's screaming at each other. So I have to do those little steps every day to get to normal. And then if I can stay there for the day, I'm, I'm grateful. And at the end of the day, you know, I say, all right, man, thanks for another one. And I'll see you in the morning. I don't know the plan, but fuck it. I'm in, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's what so, I try to do. I love what you're saying. Cause so many people are struggling with being in the moment, including me. It's so, so fucking hard, hard to not th- forget about the past. I'm not even, I don't even have time. I'm so worried about the future. So if I don't, yeah, take yeah, my mind off of me and my self-obsession like you're saying and just try to help someone yeah. else or even if i'm in my head and going crazy i'll try to text someone or call them and see how they're doing or whatever it is because it takes me out of well, what i find is is that obsessive cycle mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, there's an obsessive circle like normal people what i've learned just on the work i've done on myself is normal people they have a weird thought and then it like passes through them. Mm-hmm. When you have an obsessive mind, you get on that thought and now that's just going to become a movie for the rest of the day. And it's going to block you from your family. It's going to block you from your friends. It's going to block you from work. You can't. So, so something has to break that circular current. And what I've found is service usually does that. And when, when, I, when I can get that, then I break the circuit and then I don't have to be trapped by my, my own horseshit for the day. I Sorry, love that's that. A long answer. No, I love it. It's so important <laughs> right now, especially for now, how a lot of people are feeling. A lot of fans have reached out to me and friends, and it's just people are really scared yeah. and in fear, and in the in the future. And it's just like, especially with this, it's like, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? When is it ending? What are like? It's such a strange feeling. It's, it's the weirdest thing I think any of us will experience in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm praying for, for smart answers, for calm answers, reasonable answers. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm praying that the scientists can outrun the chaos. That's, mm-hmm. that's my prayer every morning is God let the scientists outrun the chaos. You know, let, let people be able to, to survive this, to get back into the world. But, and, and, you know, our frontliners and, you know, the nurses and the doctors and, and firemen and the cops that are fighting for this thing to keep us sane and keep the stitches of society together. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I pray for the grocers. You yeah, know, I those know, kids, me too. I got to tell you, that that's as brave as you can get. Just 
you don't know who's coming into a grocery. Like if I had to do that, I don't know that I could. I, maybe. I don't know. They also but they're, have to people me, they're complaining just as and yelling. Ones, so I, I just yeah. pray for the scientists to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Say that again. I'm sorry. No, they what have people that sometimes get very hostile with them and scream at them. And uh, it's like, I mean, it's just people are really losing their mind. I mean, even before this, way before this ever started, just that entitlement and I, it's like yeah. a simple kindness. So a lot of people just stopped being respectful of other people. It's really interesting. There, there's, there's been a loss of decency, yes. and that's because we've been so, so divided. And, you mm-hmm. know, unfortunately, you in this country now, you can listen to whatever you want to believe. You don't I know. have to listen to facts anymore. You can just, whatever you choose to believe, there's a channel for that. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to rise above that and, and work on decency again and, and accepting hard truths. Part mm-hmm. of recovering anything, any psychologist will tell you, part of recovering is accepting an uncomfortable truth. Mm-hmm. If you can't accept an uncomfortable truth, you have no fucking chance of changing. You cannot yeah. change the tide without that. And that's, 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 that's a tall, man. I know. I, I really understand. I'm just so grateful that you did the I podcast. <laughs> I um I think the world awesome, of you. Man. I know I, you I and I connected. Right, yeah, uh, the second we met, we connected, and I I felt it. You know, I always know. I'm like, oh, I'll I'll stay friends with that person, or I won't. <laughs> but um, I'm very. <laughs> yeah, I got I got a pretty good spite. I got a good spidey sense too. And yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of yours. I'm a fan of yours, Billy. You're so great. I wish you all the best. We'll talk soon. And um, thank you, you for doing this, and thank you for you being too. so honest. All the honest. best to you and your family, man. All the best. Thank you. Take care. Talk soon. Anytime, Jessica. Okay. Anytime. I remain a fan. I, hold on. I, re, I want to let you know I'm, I, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm going to listen to it. I need to hear this. Person. <laughs> You're a genuine good person, man. I felt that immediately when I met you. And I, and I wish you continued success. I think you're a talent, and I think your spirit is great. And like I said, I, I wish you all the best. I really do. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Talk soon. Yeah, man. Bye.